and the final score in the under 20 world championships this summer in the final was that Ireland lost um, to France a very very good France team um, for me the score isn't massively important um, in this and I think my my lack of coverage around this under 20 championship this summer is quite a bit different from previous years where I would cover the ins and outs of the the under 20 championship game by game for the most part this year I decided not to do that um, because I think when you look at under 20 teams and you look at the the young players young men really who were involved and who were out there you know at the very start of their careers and you know when I think back to myself as you know 19 20 you know years of age what a doofus like knew nothing and these lads are out there representing their country playing a very physically demanding game and you know these are the players in, in the Irish system who we're kind of hoping and when we're expecting to start moving now into the the provincial systems and then up in international system for some of the players some sooner than others but with that comes a whole raft of pressure and expectation and I think my decision not to go game to game on this tournament was sort of copper fastened when the you know untimely hugely unfortunate death of uh, Greg Oliver um, was reported from down in South Africa just a tragic tragic fucking event um, when I saw those young lads out there playing in the aftermath of that you know their friend's dad who was over visiting to, to watch the games a fellow who they would have either known or interacted with directly passed away like in a paragliding accident right there in South Africa in the middle of the tournament that's incredibly difficult for anybody to process doesn't necessarily have to be your dad or your uncle or whatever else for that to throw you off your game these are young men but they've been involved in in high level rugby we'll say and you know involved in 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 these um i won't say high pressure situations but this is not their first rodeo when it comes to being expected to win a tournament so when that happened i was going to do a kind of a wrap-up podcast at the end you know to cover the final and then maybe another podcast looking back at the tournament and the year overall for the under 20s um just when the pressure is sort of off and we can look at it a little bit more clear-eyed and and get a bit of perspective on it um i'm just after watching that final finish um the scoreline i think was was lopsided in the end um a bad third quarter uh, a bad second half overall really um kind of did the deed really and i i think looking at that french side just supremely talented so powerful um game breakers everywhere um a style of play that scales up regardless of who they're playing um and no real weak spots one of the things i looked at in the the games i've watched ireland in to this point you know the three pool games the semi-final and uh, and then this final was just how incomplete a lot of the other sides were now ireland are a side who are complete not as complete as france maybe they like as in tactically ireland are quite i'm gonna throw in a very you know dermot-esque word here and just go astute they seem very well drilled in the game that they know which is a variation of dublin ball but that game is very effective especially when you have 
an outstanding pack, the second best pack in the tournament that is able to just provide fantastic set piece position, scrum position, you know, first and foremost was a huge success during this tournament. And the line out fluctuated really badly. It was really poor in the final that cost elements of, of, of territory that were hard won. It's, you're going to struggle to win a final when your line out doesn't function to that extent. But then in phase play, um, you look at the the quality of the passing, you look at the, the screen balls that were being thrown, how effective they were, probably best in the tournament, I would say, for that style of play. Irish teams, and I suppose the Irish in their 20s, are similar enough to the Irish national team. Um, they rely on that screen ball an awful lot, where you're running a screened fly half into, uh, you know, into a zone, kind of a half space, if you want to call it that, where they then have a few options, where... They can make the carry, they can make the pass, they can pull a deeper pass, or if they have a bit of space, they can maybe make a kick, or if the option is there, an inside ball. It, it's all about options and providing those options to your creative players. And Ireland did a really good job of that throughout this tournament. I think one of the biggest things watching back, certainly in the in the two big pool games uh, against uh, Australia and against England, I just felt that they had no option for Ireland's comfort in going to those layers and didn't have the sort of sophisticated defence to shut it down. They did accidentally every now and then, um, which will happen. But overall, they were not as tactically aware as to what Ireland were doing. and They didn't really have the, the capability. They didn't really have the capacity to stop Ireland from, from you know, continually hurting them with that, essentially the bones of a counter-transition game. Not fully, um, but Ireland's pack set the platform for the vast, vast majority of that. Um, there were some standout players there. For me, uh, I thought that Paddy McCarthy was outstanding. Um, I thought that Gus McCarthy showed good leadership qualities. Line-out's an issue for him, but good athlete. Looks like he's a good character as well. That'll go far in this game for him, for me. Um, I like the look of George Haddon when I saw him, um, but I think what Richie Murphy would have wanted, certainly as the game the games progressed into the latter half, um, when Haddon was injured and Ireland needed size, they moved Paddy McCarthy over to Lucid, where I hope he stays professionally. Um, because he has... Uh, I'd say very soon uh, test appearances there for me if he keeps de- you know developing physically scrummaging wise he looks really good he stacked up really well height wise with Gus McCarthy um, they paired really well together the, the scrum for Ireland was very very solid and I felt that Ronan Fox was better physically as a tight head in the scrum he's bigger wider I thought he kind of his scrummaging there was very very solid he didn't even have to, you don't have to be a superstar there you just don't go backwards don't concede penalties he didn't thought he did really really well um, I liked the second row for the most part thought they did well no obvious superstars there as of yet Um, I think Evan O'Connell maybe has a potential for that down the line but we need to see what he's like next year he's still very very young developing physically obviously as well you can see that Needs a lot of extra timber on him, but yeah, showed some good stuff in the line out, and you know showed good bit, bit, bits and pieces against Fiji as well. I felt that were um, you know, encouraging. Certainly, the other two lads, uh, I think Charlie Irvine has got great size, good line out option. I like to look at him going forward for Ulster, 
and I think is uh, O'Tiernig um, as well just looks look very well rounded very well balanced I think Dermot Mangan was in there as well this uh, I think he was put into the second row he kind of has that half lock style build that Leinster have a lot of guys in that style um, needs work on his game I would say with regards to elements of his handling bits and pieces like that but he's a big physical fella um, he is not going to be stuck for uh, URC minutes in the next two seasons I think he'll get a workout there fairly quickly um, but I, I think looking at the, the back row good options there too I think Mangan looked good in the back row I think I prefer him there um, I can see why they wanted to put Mangan in um, from the start into the second row they wanted a bit of extra size a bit of extra you know heft there not sure that's his game fully but uh, I get the logic behind it um, I, th- I think for me he looked better in the back row um, but the two standout guys for me in that pack outside Paddy McCarthy were Brian Gleeson and Ruan Quinn. And uh, Ruan didn't have a great game in the final. I don't, don't think any player did really. Um, but he was really explosive over the course of this tournament, over the course of this year for the other 20s. Um, he's just a, an incredibly big man for his age. <laughs> like he's 6'3, he's 113, 115 kg. He's so explosive with that size as well. You know, and you look at Brian Gleeson, it looks like just a fella who in a couple of years going to be a really, really top player. I'm, I'm speaking about him as being a possibility for URC minutes next year because we've seen Ruan Quinn get those minutes. So against the likes of a Dragons or Zebre, I would not be surprised to see Brian Gleeson get a shot in year one of the academy. He's, he's just ridiculously young. He's actually under 20 qualified again next year, which I know you've heard repeatedly over the over the last couple of weeks. But um, that'll give you some idea as to what type of player he is. If he was living today physically with that French team, a lot of those guys have played top 14 rugby and he's living with them physically and every other challenge that came up against him in the, the last couple of weeks and dominating, that shows you the talent that's there and that shows you the potential in that player again when it comes to it it's all about luck with injury and development and plus it is easier for forwards like it it is like if the forward is there athletically at 19 20 you can kind of risk them to a certain extent because you know what they can do physically and what they can take physically that's that is what it is so like monster were comfortable playing likes of ruan quinn last season in the urc because he was more than ready for it. Like, I, I watched him come on and play, what, 78 minutes of a preseason friendly against, you know, a fairly big fucking Gloucester team who were not there, you know, handing out fucking free lunches and did not look out of place against grown men. And, and he only did the leaving start a few a few weeks prior, you know. So, you know, what a few, you know, a month or two prior. But you know what I mean? As in ridiculously young, but physically it was all there. I think with Gleeson as well, they just wanted to see what he was doing this year in AIL and, and this under-20 campaign. Um, but yeah, no, physically, he's all there. Like, needs a bit more onto his frame, I think, as well, which again, he's very young. You see how wide, how strong he is now. That's a guy who could be just an incredible player in um, a couple of, you know, maybe tail end of next season, the start of the season afterwards. That's a guy who, for me, could be in call to get a summer call up maybe get a kind of a, a, a wider squad call up to a november window you know whatever like i think the like the quality is there for that guy in 2024 to make a real step up but that's for 2024 and um, for now you know needs to take a bit of time to decompress 
Um, but I think he, he can be quite happy with his tournament. Um, and I think had Ireland won, he'd be in conversation for, you know, player of the tournament. Um, and rightly so, because I think his performances throughout every one of the games, he was impactful in all of them, you know. And I think his try-scoring record, I think this is the first game that he started that he hasn't scored a try in, I think. Which, again, is just remarkable. But that's how good this French side are. Like I'm, I'm just going through the pack there, but... I'm kind of mainly I'm talking about this is the first serious team that I think Ireland have played that hasn't had either real tactical naivety or you know killer problems with their with their with their team for example like the Australia game was played on a fucking like a pitch worse than the Cape Town final of the URC which is saying something they lost their tight head to injury and the guy who came on you know poor lad was all over the place uh, and as a result Australia were playing the majority of the game in the back foot and in their own territory so like they lost the game as a result but you look at France they they have no weaknesses like their scrum does not go backwards they do not have a dodgy line out they don't have a you know unsophisticated attack like you could say South Africa were very again very direct but again not big enough to play as big as they were if that makes sense um, and then you have England who have some good players but I think overall their like their quality isn't at the level that it's been at over the previous years I mean they did well but I think that they've got one or two top guys there but the rest are you know fairly average players I would say at the moment doesn't mean they can't develop into something special down the line but we're just talking about right now nobody stood out massively to me other than we'll say their uh, their Chesham the, the big second row and Cleves, I thought it really well. Um, but yeah, I suppose you're kind of looking at when France got to the final, it was always going to be a massive challenge because they've just got the things that are a real bad matchup for Dublin ball and counter-transition rugby, which is when they get the ball, they don't make a huge number of mistakes on it and they're happy enough holding the ball for a bit. But plus, in defence... They've got a really good defensive line-out uh, and they've got real size and power um, in the tackle and at the defensive breakdown. And with a referee who allowed, we'll say, allowed a contest there, I felt it was a bit of a free-for-all myself, um, that becomes very difficult to play against with the style of rugby that we run at under-20 level and at national level. At national level, you'll, you'll notice that our line-out is a core focus of us. So there are no opportunities for... Ireland to have a you know sub seventy percent game at the line, which we which we which we had here, I think that kills the game. It cannot work if the lineout doesn't work because there's so much opportunities for lineouts, and you know when you win those penalties, Ireland won penalties. We had plenty of position to hurt France in this game and to take them through the phases and to hurt them there, but the accuracy wasn't where it needed to be. And if it's not there against a team that big you've got to be super accurate but you've got to be accurate for the full 80 we were nowhere near that so you know lost the game but I think moving back onto the halfbacks there I think I was singularly impressed I think all the way throughout this tournament with Finton Gunn um, he looks like he's ready for URC minutes next season as in it could be on the bench fairly soon and you know maybe starting the odd kind of dead rubber that Leinster have or seem to have every year at home in the RDS um, he looks really composed. His pass quality is up and down. That's a lot of Leinster uh, scrum halves I've seen, but he has something about him. He has an X factor. He looks like a guy who can make things happen. 
he plays with real tempo um, he's got a good kicking game um, and I think that that alone is enough to put him in conversation straight away to pair up with the likes of Harry Byrne to pair up with the likes of um, you know Kieran Fro- whoever is involved I mean here, you know, I think Leinster are going to be down a number of players at the start of the season anyway so it's almost inevitable you're going to see these guys these young academy players getting a run but I think Finton Gunn has the quality to when you know when the, when the main squad comes back and and the the guys who are you know down the chart for Leinster come back in, I could see Finton Gunn sticking around there quite a bit actually. Could even start making benches for bigger games. I wouldn't be surprised. He's got that quality to him, and I think that you know the energy that a scrum half plays with is quite important. Not to go just vibes only because again, technically I think he's got stuff like his passing. I think he has to work on his consistency there. I think he has to work on as well. But I think the energy and the character he plays with is impressive. And I think that's a guy who Leinster won't be shy about putting in um, into URC minutes next year. And depending on how he goes, I think there's actually a fairly clear run for him to get into matchday squads for Leinster. I think Luke McGrath is the guy he needs to be overhauling almost immediately. But I think he's got the capacity to do just that. Um, talented player. I think he had a really good tournament. Uh, and you know, and I think his he scored a try in the in the final tonight and uh, looked looked good overall. So, look, I think he's a fellow who there's not as much hype as what there is about Sam Brendergast, but Finton Gunn. I think the hype should be more towards him. If you're going to hype anybody, I would look at Finton Gunn. Um, Sam Prendergast didn't have a great game for me today and I think that I went over this in a previous podcast where there is Sam Prendergast the player and then there is Sam Prendergast the discourse even this past week we've had him described as you know a fellow who should be looking at oh what if there's a you know somebody gets injured or Sexton gets banned should they call up Sam Prendergast to the World Cup squad absolutely not he has no business being there as a player for me he needs to go off on preseason. he's to just decompress he doesn't need to be jumping from this straight into another you know fairly intense test level preseason. he needs to go off and have a fine holiday for himself he needs to go off and get uh, himself into the gym get a good solid preseason on there and just start working on the elements of his game that need a lot of work and the thing is he's a young player who's a smart guy who's got good leadership qualities in him so he understands this he will understand that, that he has a lot to work on on his game. If he was thrown in at the World Cup, I mean, sure, he'd back himself. But the boy has no business being there. Unless he buys a ticket, he has no business being there. Um, and I think mainly because I think elements of his offensive game need a lot of development. He himself, athletically, needs a ton of development as well. And this should not be controversial. But because there are a ton of people involved in the national newspapers in Ireland who don't know the game, who only know the game in that Johnny Sexton is retiring, we need another Leinster guy who's going to be the guy who's going to replace Sexton because we deep down don't think it's going to be Ross Byrne and we know it's not going to be Harry Byrne now because he was our previous great blue hope. But it's going to be Sam Prendergast now and he's got to be it now there can't be a waiting period of a year or two years or three years he's got to be that guy now because we can't let somebody in to take that 10 jersey because they know in Ireland if they take that turn like that 10 jersey you're not getting it back unless you get a long-term injury and then that's you but that's the reality of it I cannot understand what they're looking at 
when they're saying that this fella should be going to the World Cup squad that Ireland are expected to win later on this year, in a few months. I'm not sure what they're looking at because there's a good young player there with a lot of potential, but that's what he is at the moment. You could see in the, in the game today when the forwards weren't just you know going over the gain line as a matter of course, there was he had nowhere to go. He wasn't able to generate any attacking opportunities himself. He was not able to force compressions. I understand elements of Dublin ball can work with a step and sling fly half, but in the modern game, with the size of teams that that you're going to be playing now, you cannot just have that of a guy who's basically a facilitator. That will work up to a certain point against certain lower level opposition. I think we saw that in the in the the Six Nations, but we also saw it here uh, in this tournament where if you're not just flying over the gain line and the opposition are making you know, desperate bad reads, you have to start generating your own attack. There was one moment at the end of the game where Ireland had lost at this point, obviously, but he made a cut into a seam that had opened up and put away, I think it was Fiek Nabarrett, who was a fucking big young fella, a big future him. And all of a sudden, Ireland looked way more dangerous. But for the previous... You know, for, for the majority of the game, outside a kind of a, a heavily scripted opening uh, five minutes, where Ireland started really well, to be fair, um, it just looked like he got the ball, he slinged it on. Got the ball, step, sling it on. To the point where France were reacting to this and just cutting us off on the outside. Or, or they understood once that ball went to the screen, they could shift from their guard spot on maybe the, the pot of three forwards that they would have been defending and just push out straight away because they knew that cut wasn't coming and like a lot of what Ireland do is to disguise the fact that Prendergast doesn't break now to be honest I think during the year or during this tournament I felt that he was playing with an injury he looked like he was playing hurt but even during the year when I saw him playing he's just not explosive he's not like he's a fella who if he gets a break in open field if there's nobody around him directly when he gets it he is he is quick once he gets to his top end pace. My issue with him is that he doesn't have a massive amount of explosivity. He's not hugely agile either, so everything he does is quite deliberate. When it works, and, and again, none of this applies when you're five meters out from the try line, where he's he's actually very good. He's got a good long sling pass. So if there's space on the outside and the defense has to cluster on him because it's you're five meters out from the try line he can get that pass away and he's got a really good kick pass as well. His kick passing actually is probably the best part of his game at the moment. So in the space that is provided by a you know a, a forward pack winning collisions almost every other phase, there is space for a kick pass and he can find that kick pass because he's a, again, he's a good young player. But he's not the guy who should be going to a World Cup. I would be shocked if that happened. It would show, for me, Andy Farrell is, is reacting to absurd levels of hype and like again you can talk about a fellow with, with, with Brian Gleeson saying that he could be in the test frame in two seasons time I think that's actually fairly reasonable in the same way that you could say with, with uh, uh, Sam Prendergast because he's so young and because he's got so much physical development to do but also game development because again if he was he's 6'4", he's 6'5", he's six, six, if he was a midfielder or if he was a fucking flanker, whatever it was, and he was performing at the level that he'd been performing here, which was, you know, pretty good for the most part, you could say, okay, 
that's a guy who could you could see maybe getting a fair bit of URC minutes next year if if he's in a good spot. You know, with their there's nobody directly ahead of him. There's no IQs. But when you're a ten, there's so much expected of you. There's so much you've got to know. There's so many pictures you've got to build up over your career, like to get to the point where yeah, I can actually start influencing games now where you're not playing hugely flawed opposition. And the thing is, next year, at the start of the season, Leinster will not have a massively easy start. They're away to Glasgow first up. Glasgow have a lot of guys away with internationals, but again, that's a team, that's a difficult game to go to. If you're saying, okay, start Sam Prendergast in that game, maybe they will. But I feel that he's got a fair bit to do with his his game to bring that up to the next level. But my big thing for him is athletically I either want to see him getting looser more agile more explosive or getting stronger and bigger not to be a crash ball 10 but if he can't get quicker he's got to get bigger because if he can't become some fella who can cut around a corner if he's not a guy who can you know you know scorch around the outside of a screen um he's got to be a fella who you've got to worry about physically um, and you've got to worry about him physically, like in 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 the carry that he can run you over. At the moment, that's not him. I mean, look, he's dangerous from five meters out because he's he's tall and he's long. So if he gets any bit of go forward from five meters out, if you if he's running to two meters, like he can get with a bit of momentum, he can he can reach the try line. That's one thing. But for me, he needs to show that he's more than just a big boot. Which even in, the, in in this game now I felt that some of his drives up the line he left it a little bit short. Some of his clearances weren't great. Underfoot conditions weren't great either though to be fair. But these are the kind of things we're talking about that get kind of glossed over. That as good a young player as he is. That these are all things he, he really does have to work on. And it's not a case of well you know these aren't a problem like they are a problem i think we saw today that when the irish pack wasn't just running over the opposition that was there like blowing them away in the scrum eating them up in the mall winning every other collision it's it's difficult to play as a 10 in in that in that spot so like that for me i think that's the 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 big work on is, is is that aspect of his game but the thing is he's at a great place to do it like I can see the start of next season, I can see him, you know, running up some decent numbers with, you know, as the backup to Harry Byrne. Uh, I can see him when the the main internationals come back because there'll be a few like C level games for for Leinster where he can step in and he can do that. But like I said, I would like to see him playing a bit of AIL. I'd like to see him playing a bit of Leinster A. Like he needs games, and he needs to see different looks, and he needs to experience what it's like to be behind a pack that's not going forward all the time because. Then you can start to adapt and start to build different things into your game. So I, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. The good player, obviously, and again, good young player who understands, I think, where he is. Separate that from the discourse, which comes from people who literally, they just want somebody in blue to be wearing the green jersey after Johnny. And that's it. That's the long and the short of it. That's the only thing you need to concern yourself with. When you're seeing journalists, when you're seeing pundits, when they're talking about that, that's what they're actually saying. Because there's not a chance that Sam Prendergast is ready to go out there right now and play any sort of serious role for Ireland in the World Cup. Absolutely not. But he knows this. Leinster know this. And I'm pretty sure Ireland 
as as much as as keen as they are to call up as many Leinster guys as they can, I think they understand it as well. Um, but look, a good player, and I think in maybe two, maybe three seasons, with you know the, a graduated approach, I think that's a guy who will be in the Ireland conversation. Um, and who knows what the crack is going to be in that ten jersey at at that point? Who knows? Because like I think we've seen really good players can end up getting stuck behind generational talents, and that's going to be the big. I think there might be a bit of pressure to rush him but I hope they don't because I think there is a really good player there um, who just needs time and, and doesn't need to be you know, thrown in at, in, in at the deep end and then get hiked out the minute he's struggling and then you never get the player that you that you thought you had in the first place if that makes sense um, and then when you're looking at the outside backs I think the, the pick for me I like Gavin um, I liked uh, Berman I thought looked really good um, I like the look of uh, Henry Mackerline at fullback. Thought he was really, really good. Uh, ag- agile, good pass, good kicking, uh, great under the high ball. Um, for me, looked like a fella that Leinster might want to look at as being a possible swing option at ten as well, because um, he's really agile. He's you know picks a good pass. Because uh, I've seen him playing for Terran Yor in AIL last year, and he was just really good. Looked a cut above. So it'll be interesting to see how he does going forward. I think he looked really complete. Um, obviously, he has bits and pieces to work in his game as well. But I think that, you know, from an agility perspective, an explosively an explosive perspective, his you know his spacing, his understanding of the backfield, really, really good player. And I think that there could be URC minutes there for him as well. Also, um, I thought that young Osborne didn't have a great game today. I feel in the same way with his his older brother that he's a good back <laughs> in that. He's got good skills. He's got a he's got a good boot for the most part. He had one bad slice in 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 the first half, but look, that happens. Um, but I think the issue with him is his evasion and his acceleration. Where he's a good player, but you could see there was elements today where he got a little bit stuck. Where he gets into space, but he can't make the break. Um, I think a bit like his brother. I think he'll bounce around the back line a bit where he's at the wing at the moment. I could see him going into midfield. I could see them having a look at him at fullback because he obviously he's got a good boot in him too. Um, but might suffer a bit from his... Not, not suffer, but you know what I mean. As in he's not necessarily a nailed down guy anywhere, I think, just based on his... What I've seen from him in, in, in this tournament where he's obviously a good player, but I'm kind of not sure where he fits in from a role perspective. Um, I think a utility back at the moment, I think a bit like his brother would make sense. And there's no harm in that role. There's always plenty of work for you for a guy like that. Um, but yeah, I think he had a pretty decent tournament overall. And looks again like a very skilled player. I like to see fellas coming through from the clubs as well. Um and then I felt that Nicholson on the other wing looked pretty good. Big, strong, physical. I think he's like six four. Um word was he's going to Connacht. Um but he looks like a very good athlete. And I think there's lots of those backs fall into that bracket of being good athletes quick decent under the high ball like fairly well rounded as players um but it's difficult unless you're a real standout to make that step up to the to the next level provincially so that's going to be the big the big challenge for all of those guys really is to is to get up into you know for some of the Connacht lads they'll they'll have opportunities the Leinster lads will certainly have opportunities at the start of the season as well because um, there's going to be injuries coming out of that World Cup, and Leinster are the you know the the heaviest suppliers of players at the moment, so 
there absolutely will be opportunities for these young guys to come in and, and, and make a, an impact for themselves but overall I think look they can be delighted with how they performed uh, they have a grand slam in their back pocket nobody can take that away from them runners up in the final look France were much better than them I think even if there wasn't an emotional and mental toll on these players I think France would have won anyway I think they're too big too physical no holes in their game like they don't have you know dodgy operators at half back and like they've got a fairly complex way of attacking as well really good skills good set piece and as a result like Ireland weren't able to like just tilt them onto the one side that they were weak because there's no real weaknesses there you look at some of the size and power they have in their pack that alone gets you over a lot of a lot of humps in um at under 20 level but you know I think regardless I think Ireland probably lose that game and I think when you're coming up into a final like that and you're saying fuck it look you know eight times out of ten we lose that to me there's no shame in that I don't think there's no shame I think like to me there's no shame in understanding look they were a better team they were stronger better depth and that's that I'm not sure there's anything that Ireland could have done that would have reversed that around. Like you can say, look, okay, look, a better line out, maybe. Maybe the score is closer. Um, a few of the errors in the first half, Ireland could have maybe built a bit of a lead. I think whatever happens, I think France just had the quality and the size. Too big, too strong, too good. And and like most of the time, when that's the case, you lose. And like I think that's fair enough. You know, no one's fault. Do you know what I mean? Like you, there's no point pointing at fellas and going, oh look, if this guy did this or this guy did that. They're young players. They're young men. They're going to grow from this. They're going to learn. The best thing that they, all those lads can do now is go way off to a fucking sun holiday somewhere, have a few drinks if they're of legal age to do so, which some may not be, I don't know, um, and have a bit of a fucking blow-off and come back into pre-season if they're in an academy or whatever else or if they're going back to an AIL club or whatever and just hit the ground running from there and take what you've learned because again you look at playing in high class games like that there's obviously a ton of really good players there um but that's the big learning for them really because ultimately you look at under 20 world championships are great under 26 nations and grand slams are great but like you look at france the last under a couple of under 20 championships that they won where are they now what 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 use is that now it's great in the moment and it's great for the players and it's great for the coaches involved and their parents and their families or whatever else but the next step now is to get these guys to be big players provincially and as big players nationally and keep the system going that's how we run it get them up to the under under 19s or whatever else we have to be very very focused on the players that we bring in to keep all the provinces uh competitive and that's going to be the big thing uh is getting these guys up to the next level this was great they played well but the step up to regular senior rugby is so difficult and it gets harder the closer you get to the 10 jersey um for everybody else there's physical learning curves for the 10 and for the 9 and for those lads it's like there's a there's a mental curve to get to as well like an intellectual curve so we'll see how they get on but uh, you know you look at the the, the, the struggles the the, the pain that the anguish that they would have gone through as a group never mind you know poor jack oliver and his and his, and his father god rest him you look at what they went through they'll take an awful lot from it once the pain goes away from today they'll go look beaten by a better team on the day but fucking second in the world there's nothing wrong with that and you look at the last team who finished second in the world andrew porter james ryan jacob stockdale all of these top players came out of that group look again this loss will be the past 
on Tuesday or Wednesday and then it's all about winning the future and I think there's lots of guys in this team who have the capacity to go on and win that future um, so look commiserations to them if there any, any one of them are, li- are, are listening I know a few of them are um, but you'll be better for it and I and it, it sounds like bullshit now but in a year or two you'll you'll you'll, you'll remember it and think okay yes yes we will be better for it not that that's unique advice by the way every person you run into will be telling you that but they're telling you that because it's true some cliches are cliches for a reason so thank you very much for joining me on this podcast thank you very much for being a tier case subscriber i will talk to you again very very soon